Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. You know, they say that it takes three to seven weeks to form a new habit. But I will tell you guys this, for me it's going to take a lot longer to form this habit uh, of meeting virtually with you guys. It's just uh, got me in a definitely a new place. Um, it's one habit I don't want, but um, if this is... Um, our only option, then I'll take it. So glad to have you. I just want you to know, everyone, that I'm praying for you. I really have been. I've been praying that you would experience just the presence of God, that you would experience His peace, uh, His hope, His strength, His comfort. Uh, And I'm just so grateful uh, to be a a part of uh, this community of faith that uh, God has given us. Love you guys so much. I'm so thankful for our leadership, for our group leaders, for our elders, for our staff, and uh, just how God has just empowered and and, um, uh, strengthened each and every one to just to follow His lead and to hear from Him uh, during these days. Uh, I don't know, um, on a little bit lighter side, I don't know if if you had a chance to open up uh, and look at the Friday email that we sent to you, Facebook uh, friends. Some of you may not have received that. Well, if we don't have your email address, we can't send it to you, but we'd love to. Just a few updates, but uh, in one aspect of it, it was talking about, you know, you know how laughter really is a medicine. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about that even in the midst of very difficult times, and there was a lot of <clears throat> examples of that, but you know, some of the humor I liked. I don't know. I don't know. How many of you, how many of you got to see that? Any, any of y'all read those? <clears throat> did, it, did it make you giggle? It, it did me. I like, the, I like this one. It said, you know, because of this pandemic, the world is turned upside down. Old folks are sneaking out of the house and their kids are screaming at them, telling them to get back inside. Upside down. One that I read, I liked a lot. It said, man, this, this pandemic brings back memories to me. He says, I feel like I'm 16 again. Gas is cheap and I'm grounded. Uh, So anyhow, got it good. Um, We all know that what's going on is really not a laughing matter. Uh, But, you know, when we have the hope, the peace uh, of God, you know, we can rest assured of this, that God's grace is sufficient. And I am so thankful for that. I just want to give a, a quick special shout out uh, to my guys at NLB that are watching. Love you guys. And uh, uh, thanks for the uh, card, for the uh, expression of gratitude for the Easter lunch that y'all received last week. I hope you're running that off. Uh, quick shout out to Phil in uh, Washington. We're going to get to hear, our Zoom family is going to get to hear more from him a little bit later on in our time together. And uh, Matt, special shout out to you. 
Y'all like my bowling shirt? Thanks for my shirt. This is from a gift from my youngest, Matt. Uh, so again, it's just great to be together with you today. I want us to uh, just pause now, turn our attention to God's Word. Uh, it's, a, it's a passage of Scripture that God has put on my heart. And so go ahead and grab your Bible. Uh, if you leave the screen right now, that's okay, because we want you to have your Bible. There's some uh, powerful passages that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, and for our Zoom family, uh, Pastor Aaron's going to read this uh, passage for us and pray for us. And for the Facebook family, you're stuck with me. So let's turn now our attention uh, to God's Word in Deuteronomy chapter 8. All right, Facebook family, I'm going to get rid of this right here and read from you in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, let me just give you a real quick uh, history on this. The book of Deuteronomy is really a message of remembering. It's when Moses uh, was about to pass the mantle to Joshua to take them into the promised land. And so his whole deal was to remind them of God's story with them. So look at what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. He says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your forefathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. With God's word fresh on our minds, let's just go to him in prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just... Uh, through your presence, open up our hearts and minds to you today that we would receive the good gifts that you want to provide for us and that, uh, Lord, that we would respond in a way that would flood our lives with your peace and your hope and your promises and it would be all for your glory as we share together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right. I'm back now with uh, with uh, the Zoom family. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, uh, for sharing that. And uh, let's just uh, turn our attention right now to just the message I think that, that God has just put on my heart uh, for us this week, a week after Easter. You know, uh, as I was <clears throat> reading this past week, uh, and hopefully we are... Uh, limiting our time on with the media and stuff, or at least balancing it out with God's Word. But, you know, headlines for an exclusive article in USA Today earlier this week read this way. In for devastating, um, uh, in, in four weeks, four devastating weeks, Americans' fear of coronavirus have exploded. And then it went on to talk about all the stresses and struggles that people are experiencing over these four weeks. Uh, the Washington Post had an article that said, Pandemic is causing the worst economic slide since the Great Depression. 
NBC News had an article with the headline, Get Ready, Second Wave of Coronavirus is Coming. You know, just uh, headline after headline after headline, you know, about the darkness and the uncertainty of what we're coming through, the fear of this hidden, unseen virus. Uh, it made me just think of a 1995 song by Pat Green. How many of you remember that wave on wave? Uh, it's just like wave after wave. We, we, we take one wave, we get up, and we got a minute, and just another wave comes crashing in. You came upon me wave on wave. And that just seems uh, to really describe a lot of how people are feeling. Um, the reality is that people are struggling. Over the last week or two, you know, I've been asking these questions and asking a lot of you to ask these questions, you know, like, you know, where are people, where are people struggling? Where are the people in your circle struggling? You know, what's causing them the most uh, discouragement, wow, what, the most concern? And, and there's just a, a number of things, you know, it, it could be a loss of job, it could be just loneliness, it could be just the, uh, uh, the feeling of ha having now to finally deal with stuff because I can't escape. And we're finally having to deal with issues that we've been able to uh, run away from for a long time. It could be just craziness of, of what's going on with the kids, but, but truly people are struggling. And then, and then the next question that, that I've been just pondering is, you know, what are these problems and these struggles exposing? What, what are they revealing about our nation, about our world? What are they revealing about me? Uh, what's being exposed by the issues that, that, we're, that we're struggling with? And then finally, you know, the question that I've been asking people, what lessons are you learning and hopefully we are learning some lessons uh, throughout uh, this pandemic, you know, as uh, we seek to, to live through these days. So um, there's just a lot, lot going on, and, and truly God is teaching us some lessons if we'll just take time to listen. But I, I just want to know how you're doing through all this, you know. How are you doing? Honestly, ask that question, Lord, how am I doing? And what uh, is being revealed as a result of how I'm doing? Uh, my prayer, and a matter of fact, it was just really um, cemented in this week. My prayer, and I shared this, I think, on Wednesday from Psalm 67, where the psalmist says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. And then he says, So that, so that your ways may be known on the earth. And that your salvation is experienced among the nations. I think I share with some folks that toward the latter part of the week, I found myself praying that prayer without guilt for the first time in my life. I began to say, God, and began to even understand more how important it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ to be a light in a dark world. And I was going, Lord, I was asking for His blessings. I was asking for His grace that His face would shine on us as His body and as His followers. Why? So that more people would know God's ways. So that salvation would be experienced in the nations. And so, uh, I would just encourage you to make that your prayer. You know, I, I used to 
kind of wince a little bit, you know, thinking about, yeah, God, no, I'm asking boldly for that. And I want to encourage you to do that too. Um, you know, throughout this pandemic, uh, we have been saying, God is good. God is good. He is our Abba Father. God is good and that He redeems all that He allows. Um, and, and we really believe that. And if you're struggling to believe that, I just want you, to, I want to encourage you today. Uh, from my experience with God, from our experience of, of having years with God, and because of the truth of His Word, we can tell you, He redeems all that He allows. Um, and it, it just got me thinking, you know, a bigger question as far as, you know, concerning what God has allowed. God didn't cause this, but what He's allowed. It got me thinking back to, to our experience as we came together to study and, and, and really marinate on experiencing God a few years ago. I've made reference to this a couple of times, but it was a, such a, a wonderful time for us to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of God. And, and uh, I thought back to those seven realities, and I want to remind us of this now because, see, God doesn't change. You know, He is faithful, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in, in these seven realities of experiencing God, we're reminded of this. As we are in these days of this pandemic, as there's a whole lot going on around us concerning sickness and politics and economy and relationships, technology, all this kind of stuff, God is working. Number one, reality number one, God is always at His work. Reality number two, God pursues a loving relationship with me and you. God's always pursuing a love relationship with us. Number three, God invites us. God invites me. God invites you to become involved with Him and His work. And He is reissuing that invitation to His body and, and followers of His. Number four, God speaks. Now, He's inviting us, and the way He speaks is by the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, through the church, in order to reveal Himself, His ways, and His purpose. So God speaks through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active. And as I've shared with you, and as you, many of you are experiencing, uh, God, the freshness of God's Spirit is being poured out on us in, in a thick and powerful way. He speaks by the Holy Spirit through prayer, through His Word. For some of you, His Word is just jumping off the page at you and God is speaking to you. Uh, and it may be words of affirmation, it be words of conviction, never words of condemnation, but it, words of invitation to come and to experience Him. And so, you know, He is speaking, He is moving. And then number five, and I want to highlight these last three. Number five is God's invitation for me to work with Him always leads to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. God is inviting every one of us as followers of His to work with Him, to join Him in what He is doing, not just here in Roswell, Marietta, Georgia, not just here in America, <clears throat> but what He's doing throughout the world right now. And it's, it's this reality, this is the reality, that His invitation uh, always leads to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. God is calling us and leading us 
to faith in Him, to an increased faith in Him, to a stronger faith in Him, a growing faith in Him, and action. Not just words, not just belief, but action as well. Number six, I must make major adjustments in my life to join God in what He's doing. We've, we've had to make adjustments in our life uh, because of what COVID-19 is doing. God is saying in order for us to join Him in what He's doing, we need to make adjustments, major adjustments, major adjustments. In, in other words, there are patterns of our life that we've embraced that God said, no, I don't want that pattern. That's a world pattern. That's a cultural pattern. That's a flesh pattern. I want you to make an adjustment and join me in what I'm doing. And then number seven is, when we join God in what He's doing, I come to know God by experience as I follow and obey Him. And then He accomplishes His work to me. So we come to know God experientially by, uh, by just following Him by trusting Him, by responding to what He is calling us to do. And so it's in these seven realities that we're just reminded that God is working. God is still on His throne. And no matter how bored, no matter how cabin, much cabin fever that you're experiencing, no matter what's being said out there, God is working. And yet He is inviting us. He is uh, waking us up as His children. It says in, the, in God's Word, you know, hey, be alert, be alert. Why? The days are evil. Well, there's sick days, dark days right now, and He's waking us up to say, I want to invite you to experience me in a way, maybe a deeper way than you've ever experienced me. But, but, it's going to require a crisis of belief that, that requires faith and action. So, uh, we will know Him and experience Him as we obey and follow Him. So, in the passage that Pastor Aaron read for us earlier, I was sharing that, you know, this is Moses recounting the God story to the Israelites as he was getting ready to pass the torch uh, to Joshua. And uh, he is just recounting, just saying, listen, you got to know, you got to know God, you got to know His ways, you need to know how He works, and you need to remember all this stuff. And the key word there in this was remember, remember. He said, remember how the Lord your God led you in this wilderness. Uh, I mean, that was uncharted territory for them. That was a difficult time for them. Hey, I think that's a pretty good overlay for us right now. This is uncharted territory for us, not only in America, but across the world. The whole world is going through the same thing at one time. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Uncharted territory. We are in uncharted territory. And so I think that the things that, that Moses is reminding the people of God really has tremendous relevance to us. He said, I want you to understand that as you were going through this, God allowed this, but He redeems what He allows. That God was doing some major things. You know, God was doing a great work. He never wastes a hurt. He's got a purpose behind everything that we're going through. And so I think that we can see there four things that God was accomplishing for them. He can see what God is trying to accomplish in our lives, what His desire, what His heart is for us. And so, you know, no matter what's going on around us, how dark or how bleak um, uh, things may feel, the reality is, is that God is working. 
that his truth is marching on, that he is still on the throne, that his purpose will not be thwarted for him, for his purpose and for his people. And that as our prayer, the Lord's prayer says that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. And so, you know, I'm just encouraged that God, that for us to just learn from God's story and respond to what God's doing. You know, if we really want to experience meaning behind what's going on, if we really want to experience peace, if we want to see the the, the prisons uh, uh, that that we have uh, been abiding in uh, opened up and the shackles fall away, then just let God speak through us through His Word. And so Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's just what God put on my heart. And there are four things that we see that He was doing in this time. He said, I want you to remember this. And for us, he's saying, I want you to consider this. And the first thing he says, God allows this stuff and what he's doing through that to humble us, to humble us. Um, I love this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. Excuse me, I've got papers all around me, but excuse me as I'm looking at this. 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can uh, read along with me. It's uh, verses... Uh, beginning with verse 5, this is, this is what Peter says. He says, um, All of you clothe yourselves with humility because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your cares, all your anxiety on Him. Because He cares for you. God is a good, good Father. He does care. He is a loving Father. He created us for a relationship to, with Him to experience Him. And I believe that God is clearly using this time, especially in America, to humble us and to give us an opportunity to clothe ourselves with humility. I mean, to move from self-reliance and self-sovereignty and to uh, living as I see fit, uh, to humbly turning to God and saying, okay, God, you're God and I'm not. But, but what does that mean to humble ourselves? Uh, one person, you know, put it this way. You know, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Uh, I kind of like that. But uh, maybe a deeper definition of what, what does it mean to be humble is to bow low in God's presence. Is that me? That we truly bow in reverence to God. You are God. You are Abba Father. You are Creator. You're Sustainer. You're the source and sustenance of everything. So, what does that practically look like? Uh, well, it. I think for us, especially in America, is this: it's not just giving God a glance, you know, but gazing at Him, gazing at Him looking to Him, seeing Him as our source. It's not just saluting God, you know, on Sundays. Okay, God, I, got, you know, I gave you my time on Sunday and saluting God every now and then, but it's surrender. What does humility mean? It's not yak-yakking, you know, to God or yak-yakking about God. It's yielding, yielding to God, just saying, okay, God, you've got it all, everything that I am. Uh, but, hey, there's, there's so many benefits to, to being humble. I mean, the Bible says in Psalm 18, 27, that God saves the humble. And in Psalm 25, 9, it says, God 
guides the humble in what is right. Wow, don't we need some guidance these days when nobody in the world uh, has written a book on what we're going through? It says God guides the humble. Pray for humility for our leaders of our nation and around the world because He guides the humble. Psalm 149.4 uh, says God crowns the humble with righteousness and salvation. He crowns the humble. I mean, think about it. You know, sometimes we go, uh, you know, we, we think like Mac Davis did years ago. You remember that song? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. I see some heads nodding. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, we kind of slide off on that scale a little bit, especially in America. You know, it's hard to be humble. But I think it's during these days that God is humbling, humbling us And he's revealing to us that power and greatness come not in asserting ourselves, but in bowing low in God's presence. Think about it. Moses, Moses, who stood before Pharaoh. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, that Moses was a very humble man. It says, matter of fact, he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Oh, okay. That's why God could use him. That's why he could live his life in confidence because he bowed low to God. He just acknowledged the sovereignty of God. God, you're God and I'm not. What about Jesus? Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, the the source and sustainer, sustainer of our life. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Hmm. Humble. One of the things that God may be doing in your life and in my life during this time, just like he did with the Israelites in their wilderness experience, um, he's calling us to humility, to humble ourselves before mighty God. Let me ask you, do you need grace during this pandemic? Do you need hope? Do you want to have joy? Do you want to have peace? Do you want to have a sh- blessed assurance? Well, let me ask you, are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to humble yourself right now before mighty God? That's the way God works, and that's His invitation to us. Uh, it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Another thing I think this passage shows is He says, He led you through the wilderness all these years to humble you and to test you. Uh, I think, obviously, God is doing that right now. There's another passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, where it says, uh, I love this passage. I just got to read it for you. I don't know how we're doing on time, but I can't worry about that. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Here's Peter talking to these people that are going through a difficult time. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or or fade. Oh, stop and pause there. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Our 401k might go down the pipe, you know, the pipe, but not this, not what God has given us. Uh, He said, kept in heaven for you. Who? You. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. 
Oh, that's, that's, that's where that hope, that's where that joy. We are by faith shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, this is what he says. In this you greatly rejoice. In this what? The hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the certainty that we have, that we have an inheritance, that our God is for us and that he is in us. He said, in this you greatly rejoice, though now you suffer a little while, though you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Okay, okay. Man, God is testing us. Uh, that passage right there just reminds us of how valuable our faith in God, how essential our faith in God is. You know, the same word for test, and, and that particular uh, passage of 1 Peter, he says that your faith would be proved, proven, your proven faith. I said, Siri, I asked Siri, I said, oh, I hope she don't do it right now. I said, what does prove mean? Uh, and here's, here's the definition. Prove, to demonstrate the truth or existence of something by evidence or argument. To, to demonstrate the truth of the existence uh, what has the problems and concerns and difficulties demonstrated about your, your faith? <clears throat> In this, uh, Abraham's a classic example uh, when it comes to this testing. In Genesis chapter 22, uh, we're not going to read all of that, but in Genesis 22, it gives us this account. I'll, I'll read you just a little bit of it. It, it's talking about uh, Abraham and, and his calling and his relationship with God and how God had promised Abraham <clears throat> that through him would come, you know, our inheritance and, and God's purposes would prevail and, uh, and that his offspring would outnumber the sands on the sea. And so after, you know, uh, all these years of not having a son, an offspring, uh, it was finally at a hundred years old that God told Abraham he was going to give him a son. And uh, Abraham told Sarah. Sarah laughed. She didn't believe it either. And, uh, but God came through on his promises. He always does. But then it says in chapter 22, beginning with that, and you'll just read through that sometime. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here am I. And then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now for us, we're going, whoa, we can't even wrap our minds around that. But in reality, as we see this classic example, it is something that God called Abraham to do. And it's in this that he tested and that he proved him. And so what did Abraham do? We know he had to be absolutely heart sick, you know, to think that in his old age, God had fulfilled his promise finally, and he loved Isaac, and now Isaac's a teenager. And yet the next morning, Abraham got up, he got things ready, and he took off, and he went to the mountain. 
He strapped the wood on Isaac's back, and they journeyed up the mountain, and he laid him on the altar, and he lifted his knife to offer him as a sacrifice, and the angel of the Lord stopped his hand. Now, here's the reality. We know this. God did not have to test Abraham so God would know what Abraham would do. God knows all things. But what God did was he proved Abraham's trust. He proved Abraham's belief in God uh, to Abraham himself. Abraham goes, yeah, God above all. He proved Abraham's faith and trust in God to Isaac, to Sarah, to the world, to me and you. We see his faith. Now, and, and, and what really hit me is this. It's just apparent. How could he do that? He loved him. But, it's, but Abraham's testimony is that his trust and his experience with God was so deep that it was greater. It was so much greater than even his love for his son. Imagine how much he loved him. Which got me to thinking, you know, God is working through this pandemic and he does have a purpose. And I'm wondering what God is calling me and you to sacrifice. The things that we may love, that we've not been willing, the things that we've elevated above God. We're going, well, God, not this. But he's saying, oh, you can never experience me and the hope and the joy and the peace until you're willing to let that go, till you lay it all out before me. What is God calling you to lay down? It may be good things. It may be bad things. But nonetheless, it's become an idol. These things that get in the way of us knowing and experiencing God. Well, Moses says, I want you to remember that as God was leading you through the, the wilderness, he was doing this to humble you so that you'd know that I'm God and to test you, to, to prove and to reveal who you really do trust. And then he goes on to say, to show you what was in your heart, to show you what was in your heart. Wow, I'm, he I'm hearing a lot about what's, what's in folks' hearts as, 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 as people are being honest and being bold and they're going, whew. You know, I'm sitting around and I can't be, I'm not able to go places, do all the stuff I'm normally able to do. And so I'm having to kind of sit with me. And it's been quite difficult for some folks sitting with me. The things that are coming up, coming out, you know, of their life. The, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. And I think for some of us, it's being revealed where our treasure is. He's showing us what's in our heart. And it may be that, wow, we're just, we're depressed because the things of this world we're not able to enjoy now. But God says, you're not of this world. You're just temporarily in it. What, what is God exposing during this time that's in your heart? Would you be willing to be honest with him about that? I mean, is it selfishness? I mean, it is, it, that's been exposed. I mean, people going out and hoarding stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm worried about me. Is it anger? Is it lust that's coming up? A lust for comfort? Insecurity? Emptiness? Unbelief? Is it pride? 
Is it self-sovereignty? Is it loneliness? Is it flesh-pleasing? Is it people-pleasing? Is it a lust for money? What, what, what is God revealing to you that's in your heart? This stuff that's coming up that you're so concerned and worried about, that you're getting angry about, that you're getting depressed about, that you're getting sad about. These are indicators that they may have a place in your heart that God said, no, I want to take those, get them out. I want to show you. That's, that's not where your allegiance is. That's not where your treasure is. Would you ask him? I want to encourage each of us to ask him, Lord, what have my struggles, what have my problems, what have my worries exposed about what's treasured in my heart? And then here's my question for you. Would you agree with him? Would you admit it? Would you confess it? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us. Cleanse us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Number four. We see in this that what God was accomplishing during this time, not only humbling us, bringing us into the light of His goodness and grace, not only um, testing to, to demonstrate the validity of who we really trust, uh, not only showing us and revealing and exposing what's in our heart, but the last to teach us to live by faith. He says, to, He said He fed you with manna. You had to you had to experience some sustenance that you didn't know what it was. It's called, what is it? What is it? Manna, what is it? He said, your fathers didn't know. You, there was no track record here, but I fed you with that so that you would come to know that man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by the stuff we have out here in this world, you know, and all these wonderful restaurants and all that, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That you, we're just like, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. For God is calling us to that lifestyle, to walk by faith, not by sight. In uh, that passage that we read earlier in 1 Peter 1, 5, it says, Through faith we are shielded by God's power. For some of us, we've not felt very shielded. Well, it's by faith, our faith, our growing faith, our fortified faith. See, I think that's one of the things that God is doing. He is fortifying the faith of His followers so that, so that we have a great faith. Um, we live by faith. And we are shielded by faith. And um, really, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 14. I mean, verse 24, it says... By faith we stand firm. Could it be that some of the reasons that we're struggling, that we're floundering, is be that God's wanting to do something with our faith? Yes, we have faith in God, but He's wanting to do something in our faith. I, I think this leads us to, to, to three different kind of responses here. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's nothing of yourselves, but it's a gift of God. It's something that God gives. Here's what I truly believe. I believe that God has given some of you who you've heard about God, you've saluted God, you've yak-yaked about God, you've known about God, but you've never known Him by receiving His Son, Jesus Christ, and saying, God, I, I receive your provision. I receive your Son. And today... He has given you the gift of faith. And right now, His Spirit, God speaks by His Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, circumstance, and the church. All of those have lined up for you today 
to where you know that you need Jesus. You need hope. You need joy. You need peace. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired of how this is uh, getting the best of you. And right now, He's extending His offer of salvation to you. And I want you to just stop right now and acknowledge what He is doing and ask Him in. Would you just pray this right now? Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I am placing my faith in you and what you've done, and I'm asking you to come into my life. I want to yield to you, surrender to you, and I want to gaze upon you in these dark days. Thank you for what you've done for me, Jesus, living, dying, and being resurrected so that you may come into my life right now. I invite you in, in Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, I want to encourage you to drop us a line. Let us know. Let us know. But, but, but don't, don't leave me here, please, because the, here, here is a, there's a second category. Let me back up. That is the most important step. If you've never taken that and you just took that, I, 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 just, I, I don't want you to know there's a celebration in heaven. God is smiling. He is so overjoyed because that's the reason he gave his one and only son is so that you would know him, not, not about him, that you would know him. And now there's going to be an amazing journey, and we want to walk with you in that. Please, please, email me, drop us a line, do whatever it takes, because you can't do it alone. He did not, he did not uh, ever intend for any of us to be our orphan believers. So just drop me an email or hit that contact. Uh, but here's a second, here's a second thing uh, that uh, there's a second kind of category that I think that God is speaking uh, to. And, 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 and that is this. I think that what he has exposed for a lot of people is a weak faith, is a weak faith. And what he is, what he is doing right now is fortifying faith. He is fortifying faith. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, I've shared this with our folks before, but uh, several years, but you know, long years ago, uh, right after I got out of seminary, one of my buddies who was uh, on staff with me at a church out in Texas, uh, he was our music guy, Ray Spartman. Hey, Ray, how you doing? Um, he he got a call. He was going to go start a church up in North Dakota, Bismarck, North Dakota, and um, he needed some help moving up there. And I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we got in a U-Haul truck and the plan was to go up there in the U-Haul. I was going to help him get moved and then I'd fly back. We got in the U-Haul truck and we drove, you know, through Texas, through Oklahoma, Kansas, what, what comes above that? I don't know. South Dakota got to North Dakota, you know, long journey. And, uh, for those of you that know that I hate trips back then, I didn't hate them that bad. Uh, so we were up there and, but while we were in the, up there, in Bismarck, we crossed over a bridge, and there was a big river. It was the month of February, and it was the Missouri River that runs through Bismarck. I'm pretty sure that's the Missouri River. And uh, it was frozen over. And so as we passed by, he said, hey, Mike, this is your example. You know, you're a big seminary guy. You know, Jesus follow. This is your opportunity to walk on water like Jesus did. And uh, so just go on, jump on out there. And I said, absolutely not. I said, where I grew up down in the warm south, in the hot south, I said, uh, uh, even our little stop ponds don't freeze over, much less, you know, raging rivers. And he goes, no, it's different. It's different up here. You know, get out there. Get out there and take your little walk on, on, on the water, on the ice. And, and uh, he pointed to some guys that were out in the middle of the river. They done dug a hole. They were ice fishing, ice fishing. 
And so he finally convinced me. He, he, you know, there was enough evidence and, you know, what he was pointing and his encouragement that I, I got out there. But let me tell you what I did. I, I snuck out onto the edge. I grabbed some limbs from trees that were overhanging, and I took me a quick little walk on the water, on the ice. But then I jumped back on more familiar ground. See, I think there's a whole lot of people. I think there's a whole lot of people that that's a pretty good description of their faith journey. You know, from the encouragement and the evidence of other people, they know that Jesus is the way. And so by faith, they've, they, they trusted their life with Jesus. But at a hat's moment's notice, they jumped off back into the warm world. <laughs> into the world that they are comfortable with. And, and, and that experience helped me understand something. And, and it's something about faith. See, after I got off, the, uh, my friend Ray, he pointed out there were some people out there ice sailing. That, that's a sport these days. They were ice sailing. And, you know, that's like, uh, it's like a sailboat, but it's like a catamaran with ice skates. And you just put up your sail and then they're just ice. They were having a great time. The guys out there fishing, having a great time. Me, I didn't have a good time. You know why? Because I had a weak faith. And what, what, it, what it pointed out to me, what he pointed out, he said, Mike, he said, here's the deal. You, you spent too much time in the deep south, in the warm world. You don't know the cold world. See, these guys, these guys are doing that. They know the ice. They know the ice. And so here's the bottom line. Was it my faith that held me up? Absolutely not. If it had been my faith, I would have gone through the ice. But it was the ice that held me up. The weakest believer is just as safe and secure as the strongest believer out there. The only difference is you don't know it. And there's so many people right now that are so twisted up and so torn up. Why? Because they don't know the ice. What he said will always stay with me. Mike, they live here. They know the ice. The only way to get to know and have a great faith is to get to know God, not about God. There's a big difference our brother Clarence Lever, I can see down there, he, he is always talking about the experiential knowledge of God, not knowing about God. You can know about somebody, but not know them. The only way you get to know them is spend time with them. And what God is calling you and me to do is to truly get to know Him better and love Him more. Would you make that your prayer? Right now today, say, God, I'm going to stop dwelling in the warm world the world out there, but I'm going to, I'm going, I want to experience your world. I want to experience you. And, and this pandemic has given you a great opportunity to experience him in an amazing way to get to know him better and love him more. Would you make that your prayer? Because God is inviting us to know him better. He is inviting us to become ice sailing Christians. Why? so that this earth would know the ways of God. 
so that the nations would experience the salvation of God. It is through your testimony and my testimony. Because see, there's a third category of those listening. And there's those of you, you've not been shaken through this. Uh, yes, you've, you may have even got the virus. You may be sick. You may have uh, be lost a job. But you've not been shaken. Why? Because your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that is a hope that will never, ever be taken away from you. God is, God loves us. He loves you. And He is inviting you to experience His amazing love and grace. Now, and I pray that today that you respond to God's call to your life. And for some of you, you've been out there wandering in the warm world for way too long by yourself. And you, the decision God's calling you to is be, be connected, get connected to the body. Stop this self-sovereign thinking that I can do this on my own out here. No, it's through authentic community and relationship that God grows us and develops a faith that, that, that we can experience a peace that passes all understanding. I want to encourage you to take that step, to be what it is that God wants you to be and to experience His great love. And I want to encourage, encourage and pray for and challenge those of you that have that great faith, that great faith, because you know Him. You've got a long track record with him. Uh, you're, uh, you've been hit by some stuff, but you're not shaken. And there's joy, there's peace, there's hope. I want, I want to encourage you to don't become weary, as Pastor Aaron mentioned this past week. Don't become weary in doing good. Keep letting his strength uh, come in and through your life. Um, in just a moment, uh, we're going to conclude this for our Facebook friends and family. Uh, but I want to encourage you, Zoom family, to stay with us because we're going to have an opportunity to worship together through song and then also hear from my friend Phil up in Washington uh, how God has been the source and sustainer of his life. So let me just pray, and then I'm going to invite us after my prayer uh, to for the uh, Zoom family to join together in worship and praise led through our Crosspoint team. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much. And now we ask that through your spirit, that you would guide us and encourage us to take that step that would allow us to experience your goodness and your grace this day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless. Facebook family. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.